Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you here today. I'm glad to be here. It's always a joy to come. And Scott texted me last night and asked me what I was going to preach on and told me to tell y'all he loves you and he already misses you. So Scott and I, we're good friends. And every Wednesday morning, I have breakfast with, with Scott's father. He keeps my, my life straight. It helps me keep, keep my life straight. Anybody here having trouble with life? To live above with those we love, well, that will just be glory. But to live below with those we know, that's quite another story, right? <laughs> so anyway. Well, I do want to talk to you. Is, can, I, can I get this podium right here? Yeah. Okay. It's good to see everybody. And I do have a little, uh, i got to tell you this. Uh, a month ago yesterday, I was in... Section 18, row 55 and seat 19, and watch that terrible debacle when the Iowa State Cyclones beat the mighty Sooners. I had to wear a cap, and while I had the cap on, my head kept itching. I kept thinking, I hate caps. And about 2 o'clock that morning, I woke up with shingles. Never had them in my life. Never had a fever blister in my life, and I have struggled for a month. I had, I had shingles, had a couple of places here internally. It's in my ear. And uh, I, when I talk, it sounds like I'm in a barrel. So if I get a little nasal or anything, uh, that's the reason. I just simply, you know, it's kind of good, though, when you can't hear yourself. You can say whatever you want to. So anyway, <laughs> okay. Well, today I am going to talk to you uh, about something that I think is very crucial in all of our lives, especially in church. You know, when we go through changes, things happen and people move and all that. Uh, one day I was reading in the Bible where Jesus said, I will build my church. And I was pastoring a church at the time, and I thought, boy, that's refreshing. It belongs to him, and it doesn't belong to me. Whew. That was really refreshing. But it's his church. He builds his church. And uh, what I want to talk to you about today is the faithfulness of God. Uh, it's not going to take very long, I don't think. It's according to how fast y'all listen. And uh, I am going to make some personal applications, some illustrations, and uh, we'll move from there. You know, Matthew 17, 17, uh, Jesus talked about the crooked and perverse are faithless, some translations say, the faithless and corrupt generation. The New Living Translation says, Matthew 17, 17, Jesus said that there would be a faithless generation. Uh, we kind of live in a place and in a world where people are not very faithful and they don't believe in other people to be faithful. I cut this little article out. I'm not going to read it to you, but the 2017 Edmund Trust Barometer. Of course, if, if you're not trustworthy and you become unfaithful to people in their minds, and it talked about how in government, business, media, church, everything, there is a rash of people feeling that people are faithless, that you can't trust what people say. And, uh, you know, it's kind of like the politician who uh, was asked, did you cut your father's cherry tree down? And he said this, I cannot lie. Maybe I did, and maybe I didn't. <laughs> That's kind of the world we live in, right? I read a story recently about a man walked by a uh, 
mall photo workshop, you know, where they take photos and frames and stuff. And this, the man working there was just painstakingly taking a picture out of a frame, an old, old frame and an old picture. And, uh, and the guy kept saying, now be careful. And so he heard the guy say, what I, now let me get this straight. You want me to take this picture out, reproduce it, put the reproduction back in the frame and give you the original picture. And he said, that's what I want. And the man working in the frame shop looked on the back of the picture and it said, oh, John, this is Mary, my senior picture. John, you are the greatest man that ever lived. I love you more than life itself. I would do anything in the world to keep you in my life. P.S. If we ever break up, I want this picture back. <laughs> That's kind of the faithlessness we live in, right? Y'all know it's okay to laugh in church, don't you? Yeah. Uh, I heard another, I read another one one time. It said, uh, this guy sent his girlfriend a note, Margaret. I would swim the deepest ocean for you. I'd climb the highest mountain. I would go through the worst winter of the year and find my way to you. See you Saturday if it's not raining. <laughs> so anyway, faithlessness. The first thing we want to do this morning is be aware of God's faithfulness. Deuteronomy 7 verse 9 says, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love Him. And listen, He keeps His commandments to a thousand generations. If we use generational understanding as 40 years, that's uh, a thousand times 40. That's a long time. So God is a faithful God. He's going to be faithful in your life. Let me tell you, even when you're going through distress and things you don't understand, the faithfulness of God is in place. Matters of fa matters of fact, there is a scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 says, If we are faithless, in other words, we just fail and mess up. Anybody here ever messed up? I have a special anointing for that. We mess up in life. If we are faithless, listen to this part, He, God, remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. And He uses this word, the writer does, it helps us understand the faithfulness of God. It's about this idea that God keeps His covenants. The propensity of man is always to break and to fail. But 300 times in the Bible, the word covenants mentioned. Matter of fact, our Bible is made up basically of the Old Testament and the New Testament. That's the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And the demarcation is Jesus, and He became the originator and the guarantor of the New Covenant. So we have this statement, and this is what covenant is about, and this is why you can depend on God's faithfulness. In covenant, God initiates. He told Abraham, you're going to be a father. Look at the stars, Abraham, and believe I am. Look at the sands of the sea, Abraham, and believe I am. He told him two different things, which may give the implication to us that there's as, there are as many stars as there are sands on the sea. Look and see. There's also in a covenant the stipulations, the blessings and the cursings. If you do this, you'll be blessed. If you do this, you'll be cursed. And then there's the responsibility of both parties. And then God promises us this, that He will never fail us and He will never leave us. So the theme is this, God keeps His part. And the, is not the old covenant this, 
God initiates something with Israel. He makes it clear. God keeps His part of the covenant. Israel breaks theirs. God allows judgments to come on Israel. Israel repents and comes back to God. God initiates the covenant. Israel messes up again, comes back. God initiates the other covenant. There's seven covenants in the Old Testament. God initiated every one of them. I love the one where Abraham had, uh, uh, where Isaac brought Abraham, uh, Abraham brought Isaac. And uh, did you know when, you, when you're in a jam, you need a ram, right? <laughs> so he's ready to kill his son, and God doesn't want that. He's looking at Abraham's heart, and the Bible says in Hebrews 11 that Abraham offered, and that Greek word is past tense, he offered his son. In his heart, he did it. It was, it was settled. I can live without him if God wants him. But in interesting, he found a ram, which is a prototype of Christ, and you know what they called that place? Jehovah Jireh. The Lord sees and He provides. Now let me tell you something about your life today. The Lord sees and He's going to provide. He sees where, where you're located today. And He will provide today all of your needs according to His riches and glory. And He'll never fail. We're the ones that relinquish and break covenant. Did you know before the foundation of the world there was a covenant made? It was a covenant between God and Jesus. There's hints throughout the Bible about this. Revelations 13.8 says, He's the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. There was an eternal agreement in heaven before God made man that as He made man and gave Him volition and choice that if man did fail God... Now, God knows everything, but you know, God could also choose to hide things from Himself. I don't understand all that. But He said to Jesus, basically, and by the way, Jesus was in the beginning, right? And matter of fact, God said to the Word, Jesus, create, and the Word created all things, the Bible says in Colossians. So Jesus was there with the Father, the Holy Spirit was there, and the Spirit of God moved, it says in the beginning, over the deep, so you got God working. But this, this eternal covenant made in heaven was between God and Jesus. And this was it. God said, I love man so much I'm going to create him. He has the potential to mess up. Did y'all hear about uh, Cain and Abel were walking by the garden one day? And Abel said, boy, isn't it beautiful in there? And he said, yeah, that's where we used to live before mom and dad ate us out of house and home. So God created that wonderful place for them, the origination place. And God knew if man failed, there would have to be... A, so you could have just done this. Well, that's over and watered us up. But He loved man so much that He wanted to restore him to Himself if he failed. And listen to John 3.16 and see if it doesn't make a little more sense. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God initiated and originated that, y'all. It was an agreement, an eternal agreement between Jesus and the Father. Well, on the basis of God's faithfulness, uh, we can live our lives well, and we live it by His Word. There's two words in the Bible for word, basically. One is the word L-O-G-O-S, logos, and one is R-H-E-M-A, rhema. Okay? Now, Logos, this is the Logos. This is the Word of God. But Rhema 
is a word that comes to your heart from this word. Uh, we live too much. Now listen, this is kind of something to think about today. We live too much by dwelling here instead of appropriating this in here and hearing the Lord. I used to have a friend. He's still my friend. We went to college and seminary together. Um, he's the only non-Baptist that has a doctor's degree from Southwestern Seminary, wrote his project and did it on the apostolic movement in America, and the Baptist didn't even believe in it. But his research was so great, they went ahead and let him do it and gave him his doctor's degree. That's pretty far out, isn't it? Uh, don't y'all think that's funny? <laughs> That'd be like somebody didn't believe in red, letting red in the building. That sounds like an orange person, doesn't it? But anyway. Hey, I did a wedding yesterday. This guy, oh, he's avid OSU. I mean, it was sickening, I'll just be honest. And uh, I took some, you know, those little gloves, those little gloves that have OSU and o OU on them. You can get them at Walls for $6. I bought him a pair of those gloves, and, I, and at the beginning of the service, I said, uh, Jerry, uh, I have some gloves here for you. Your wife, first of all, you'll need them every Saturday because you're not going to watch football. You're going to be working around the house. Honeydews. And secondly, in about two hours, you'll either want to hug these or burn them. So anyway, hopefully he kept them. But the covenant and the Word of God is so important. Now listen to what the Bible says about God's position on His Word. Psalms 138 verse 2 says, For you have magnified your Word according to all your name. The modern English version says, For you've exalted your Word above all your name. So God and His Word, they are one, and God is going to keep His Word. He's never going to fail what He says to do with us. Now, I'm going to make an application here. Y'all remember Ethel, Ethel Waters, the black lady that used to sing with Billy Graham? She always had a great statement. Honey, always remember, remember this. There ain't no hand ringing in heaven. And God's not going, what are we going to do about North Korea? Oh, my. What are we going to do about the rise of, of the Russians? You know where we're headed, y'all? Revelations eleven fifteen. 15. Just, just rest today in the faithfulness of God. This is where we're headed. The kingdoms of this world, they shall become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ and he shall reign forever. Not little rocket man. <laughs> but, but Jesus is going to reign forever. And by the way, I had a thought this morning on the way up here. Did you know God loves little rocket man just as much as he loves you? Did you know God loves people that don't love him? That's why he's God. Well, now we, got, we have logos, you know, the general word, but we have rhema. A word from God. Now listen to this. You can check me when you get home. Man, nowadays, Clay, you can't just do things from the pulpit randomly. You've got to be able to back them up because they go home and Google you. <laughs> so you go home and Google me, okay? In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus said this, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema of God. Every word from the word, every personalized word. That's how you live. Check me out. Romans 10, 17. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the rhema of God. So the faithfulness of God is based on the fact that He gives us a word, and then on His part He'll keep it, and then we start what's called the battle of faith. Well, I'm going to just talk to you all about somebody you won't remember. You know, when you get old, all your people you were with, they're dead and gone, you know. 
I always say, y'all remember John Osteen? Now we know Joel. But I said, well, there wouldn't be a Joel without a John. So anyway, remember that. But in 1979, through the providence of God, I was able at the Harmony Baptist Church to have a man come speak for us. I worked hard on it. He didn't want to come. But he came, and his name was Manly Beasley. His visit to Harmony totally ruined me. I was no longer of any Baptist good. And he was still a Baptist. It's, it's amazing. And I'm not against being a Baptist, you know. There's more Baptists in Oklahoma than there are people. <laughs> Everybody's Baptist. And they're building saved. Are you saved? Yeah, I'll go right over there. Then just point. They can nail the first Baptist church. I can't see. That was another opportunity to laugh, but y'all missed it. So. But Manly Beasley came to Harmony Baptist Church. And he was a Baptist, and he preached with Jack Taylor and Ron Dunn in those revival meetings all in the 70s. They traveled all over the world. And Ron Dunn's the greatest Bible teacher I've ever heard still to this day. He died of pul pulmonary fibrosis and at 61 years old. Really broke my heart. But anyway, Jack Taylor's still going. He comes to Dwayne's church in Durant occasionally. And Manly Beasley died in 1990. But in 1970, Manly Beasley was in the hospital, I think in Arkansas, with death all around him. He had kidney failure. His fingers, and this is all documented, his fingers rolled back and the bones of his fingers were sticking out the end. He had respiratory failure. He was in ICU, but he still wanted to serve God. So at night by himself with nobody in his hospital room in ICU dying, the doctor said, you're not going to live. He said, there's about seven things your main kidney failure, and then these six, what they call comorbidities, will kill you. And he got, y'all, he mustered all of his strength, and he got down on his knees beside the hospital bed, and he looked up to heaven, and he asked God this question. Lord, do you have anything you'd like to say to me? And as clearly as he ever heard a voice, he heard God simply say this. Manly, you shall see your children's children. So he got up out of the bed, made his way, got up out off the floor, made his way back to his bed, and instantly became worse. His tongue got so big it extended out of his mouth. But in, when they came in and said, you've had a change in condition, even he, he would say, well, God said, I'm going to see my children's children. And when they'd say, you're dying, He'd say, well, God said, I'm going to see my children's children. And guess what? He lived 20 more years, and he saw his children's children. And he did all of his great work for God after he obeyed God. And he taught, guess what he taught? He taught faith. And listen to what he said one time. True faith bids eternal truth to become present reality. He believed that the eternal truth of God can become present reality. And he said, faith is not acting, faith is acting as if it is, if so, when it's not, in order for it to be so, because God said it is so. And so what I'm encouraging you in today is, that, is if we can hear God in our hearts, and I, I'm going to move back to Sam Matthews here in a minute. I haven't forgotten that story. If we can just hold on to what God says, it'll happen. And that's where the battle is. It's the seed that God puts in your heart from His Word, and then all hell breaks loose against you.
You'll have people that don't even know you come up and be negative to you and lie on you, won't they, Charles? And they'll say things and do things. It's the battle of faith, believing that God has you where he wants you and that he said something in your heart and you're holding on to it. It's pretty powerful. And what ruined me was the fact that I was kind of a cessationalist. Y'all know what that is? That's dead. Nothing's going on because everything's passed away. And I realized that we're not living in an age of cessation. We're living in an age of God's involvement forever because he's keeping his covenant and his word in your heart. Anyway, Genesis 17. Now, now get this. Abraham's, oh, I'm going to move back to Sam before I move on. Sam used to call me about three times a month. I got so sick of him. James, what's the Lord saying? I'm going fishing. No, not really. <laughs> he would challenge me that it's that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And he'd say, what's God saying? Now, this is a man whose wife got down to 70 pounds when he was pastoring the Winnecta Heights Baptist Church in Tulsa, got down to 70 pounds, dying of cancer. But God said, Sam, I'm going to raise her up. And he had to fight his in-laws, his outlaws, and his church to stand on God's word. And Kathy's still alive today. That was in the 70s. He pastors the Family Faith Church and is the president of the smallest accredited Bible college in America called Family of Faith. It's an amazing story. But what's God saying today in your life? What's he saying? What's he saying about your children? And that's where we get into the process of opening our heart and taking time to hear what God is saying. And spiritual thoughts and spiritual understanding will bring us great victory. Now listen to this. Here's Abraham, about 100. Sarah's only 90. So one day they were just driving down by the Sonic. And Abraham looked over and said, Sarah, let's have a baby. Yeah, is that how it happened? No. They didn't initiate it. Listen to this. God also said to Abram, or Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai, but her name will be Sarah. She's already a princess. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be called the mother of all nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face first. <laughs> That's where I, you know, I, if I were 100 years old, I'd probably fall face first too. When she, I got a three-year-old granddaughter living with us, and she's just the sweetest little thing, has perfect pitch, wonderful uh, is, uh, I tell you what, but it has radically changed a 67-year-old man's life. Sometimes I just want to go, shut up! But I, I, don't, I try to not do that, you know. She loves to talk, and she loves to talk to me, and wants to tell me how much she misses me because I have to go to work every day. So she's taught me how to work. I'm going to retire. So anyway, <laughs> moving right along. Uh, Abraham fell face down, and listen, he laughed and said to himself, will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? Now, God, God is good now, and he has a sense of humor. Abraham fell down and laughed and kind of made a little fun of the plan of God that God initiated. And so when Isaac was born, 
instruction was made by that word of God to name him Laughter. For he who laughs last laughs best. God laughs last. And he said, let's just name that boy Laughter. And everywhere he goes, you can just be reminded of how good the Lord is. You know, you ever seen old brother where art thou? I don't know if I'd recommend that or not, but I've watched it so many times. I, can, I know every line. We were talking about London, our little granddaughter, the other day, and I said, you know, if she stays with us when she gets her driver's license, I'll be 82. Y'all remember that scene? <laughs> but the point is, God initiated this, and the answer is yes, you can. Name him Isaac. Name him Laughter. Why can it happen? Because God said it. The Virgin Mary. How can a virgin have a baby? It was when the rhema of God came to her and the Lord said, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And Mary processed it. And by the way, about 13 years old. We don't like to think about that, but that word really means about 13 years old. See, we're the only culture in the world that from 13 to 19, you can act like an idiot. Most cultures, you're grown when you reach puberty. Some guy named Williams in 1898 invented adolescence. Hello? Paul gave two developmental stages. When I was a child, I spake as a child and acted as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. <laughs> Took me 50 years to do some of that. Still working on some of that. God said it. And listen to what the Virgin Mary said. Okay, this is what she said. You can find this over in Luke 138. Okay, Lord, be it unto me according to your word. And at that moment, Jesus came into her womb. See, impossible things happen when God initiates it and you believe it. And then you act on it and you fight the fight of faith. And you don't let anybody, you know what the devil's after when God plants a seed in your heart? He wants to uproot the seed production what we call gestation. That's time, that time is working. Well, I'm going to kind of wrap this up. Did you know, not only is we need to be aware of God's faithfulness, but you can activate God's process in your life and your plan by, obe by obedience. A woman 90 can have a baby. A man 100 can have a baby. I had a patient, hospice patient, not too long ago, and he was 99 years old, and he's planning his 100th birthday at Pete's place. And he made an interesting statement. He said, son, you know who wants to be 100? I said, no. Somebody that's 99. <laughs> it, was a, it was the funniest, cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. And I thought, you know, you're right, man. If I were 99, I'd want to be 100. I hear people all the time saying, I don't want to live to be 100. Well, if you're 99, you want to live to be 100. But anyway, we were not long. Let me give you something just, you know, just to think about. Did you know 75% of all of Jesus' parables had to do with stewardship, money, or taking care of things? Yeah, check me out. And in Luke 6.38, he said this. Here's how you can activate God's plan. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Whoa, that's enough. That's what it really means. They hold your robe out. They put grain in your robe, and you go, man, you've got to stop. I can't hold anymore. Good measure, press down, shaking together, running over, shall men pour into your bosom. For with the measure you measure out, it shall be measured to you again. You know why? Because God's in covenant. If you want to have more time, sow more time into being with God and helping people, and you'll have more time. It's not just about money. 
If you want to make more friends, just be friendly. When you go down to the grocery store, don't act like a snob. Go around and uh, tell everybody hi and how you're doing. Help the old ladies through the door and the old men. Don't forget us. And when you come up on that pristine parking place right in the front door, don't park there. Save it for us who are aged because you can walk. Anyway, Mr. Kellogg taught me that principle. <clears throat> it, was a, it was a life principle. We were talking about how we get great parking places, and he said, you know, maybe we should let the other people have those good parking places, and we should learn how to walk and prefer others. Thank you, Mr. Kellogg. Changed, it changed my thinking. Giving, you know, giving. Covenantally, you give, it'll be given to you. Uh, did you hear about the world's strongest man came to a little town? And uh, the contest was this. He did it everywhere he went. He'd take a lemon and he'd squeeze it. If you could get another drop out of it, they'd give you a $100 bill. And this is way back when that's like 1000 So the world's strongest man got up and he squeezed that lemon. And, it just, and then a little emaciated 90-year-old man said, I'd like to try that. So he comes up, and this little bitty shriveled up guy squeezed a half a cup of lemon juice out of that squeezed lemon. So before he walked off, the world's strongest man said, hey, man, that's never happened. He said, what are you doing? He said, I'm the treasurer down at the Baptist church. <laughs> Money really drives us up the wall, doesn't it? Y'all heard about the denominational people who went to the tent revival, and the, the evangelist was a scoundrel, and he had it fixed up. He'd say, everybody here want to give a $100 stand, and he had all the seats wired for electricity, and he'd push a button, and everybody'd pop up, <laughs> except one night after service, they found a Baptist deacon electrocuted and dead on the back row. <laughs> I'm not getting up, right? So anyway, I'm, right I'm on the Baptist because I love them. They educated me, paid for my education. I don't know how good a job they did, but anyway, I do love my roots. Many people are waiting for their ship to come in, but they've never sent it out. The Bible says, cast your bread upon the water, and it'll soon come back on every wave. So what is God saying? You be faithful. When God puts something in your heart, understand that He'll keep His word if you'll be obedient. On a stormy night in Birmingham, England, Hudson Taylor was to speak at the Severn Street classroom. The hostess said, it's raining, storming bad, no one will come. Taylor said, but I have to go. I must go even if there's no one there but the doorkeeper. Less than a dozen people came, but God showed up in an unusual way. Half of the dozen became missionaries, had children who became missionaries, all faithfully supported the China Inland Mission from that day forward. So you just have to be faithful. Right? I'm going to close with this. This is, this is how faithful God is to us. Got to get my trifocals fixed here. Okay. This is found in the book of Colossians. Having canceled out, verse 14, chapter 2, verse 14, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us, he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. When he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, now listen to this part, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Now, Paul uses a Roman scene here that everybody understood. When a Roman army overran another army, they would take the head chariot, which was the leader 
of the army, and they would take the head person of the defeated army, and they'd tie him to the back of a chariot by a rope, and they'd drag him all through town. And they'd just tear his body all to pieces, but they'd get him in that chariot, and they'd drag him all over town. They were making an open display of how they had disarmed their enemy. Now, <clears throat> how many of y'all believe that Jesus disarmed our enemies for us, gave us the authority? And I want to make this principle, and I'll close with this today. When Cecil DeMille, uh was doing Ben-Hur with Charleston Heston, none of you young people know any of that, but anyway, check me out. Anyway, they actually used live actors back in those days, and Charleston Heston was literally being filmed in the chariot. So one day, Charleston Heston went up to Cecil DeMille and he said, Cecil, I'm going to be real straight with you, man. I ain't much of a horseman. I'm not going to win that chariot race. There's no way I'm going to win that chariot race. And they said that Cecil DeMille looked at him and said, Charleston, you don't worry about the winning. You just stay in the chariot. I'll see to it that you win. <laughs> Isn't that a powerful analogy? We just stay in the chariot. Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. We just stay close to him, obeying his word in our life. Always? No, nah, I wish I could say I'd always obey God. I wish I could always say that I've done things correctly. But let me tell you, your problem's not God, not the Lord. He's faithful. And he'll do his word. And he'll do it in ways you don't think. He'll pour things into your bosom. I mean, y'all, I went to a funeral one time. And I was at that juncture poor or with P and R with 14 oars between them. And I went to a funeral, and God knew my need. When I got in, somebody handed me a month, some money. Another guy came up and said, hey, my dad died three or four months ago. You did his funeral. I didn't have any money, but here's you some money. My brother-in-law, whose heart is harder than a flint rock, came up and said, here's you some money because you're always burying our family. Some people waved me down on the way to the car and gave me money. And when I got in the car, I said, good. No, when I got in the car, I said, Lord, you have ways that I don't know about. I needed this. Now, let me tell you what I think, though, is the key. I found out in my life, when I cast my bread on the water, it comes back. When I just stand on the water waiting for the return, it doesn't come back much. So the more time I need, the more time I have to spend with God, the more time I have to do. But let me tell you, God is a covenant God. And all he wants you to do is just stay in the chariot. And he'll see to it that you're a winner. Right? Clay, can I kind of wrap this up? Is that okay? Doug, can you come and lead us in that song called I Worship You, Almighty God? Remember, you remember that back in, the, back in the day? One thing about Doug, he doesn't forget anything. And if you can hum it, Doug can play it. <laughs> so here's what I want us to do. I want us all to stand together, and then I'm going to turn it back to Clay when I get done. And I want us to sing this song called I Worship You Almighty God. It's simple. You'll catch right on. Some of you already know it. And I want us to worship God today, and I want us to reflect on His great faithfulness to us. And I want you to think in your own heart of all the times God's been faithful to you, in your family, in your situations, in your finances, in everything. He's a faithful God because He keeps His covenant. So let's sing this together.